I'm Alice Fitzpatrick and this is the Spanish Segunda Show, the show where we cast our eye over all 22 clubs in La Liga high, high promotion. It's the last show before the winter break. There is a midweek round this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but of course we record on Mondays. So forgive us for not recording Christmas Day and New Year's Day. We will be putting our feet up and enjoying uh, a few mince pies. As will Segunda, there's no more Segunda games after this little midweek that's about to come until the 14th of January because the King's Weekend, 7th of January, is the Copa del Rey. And what that means is we, Liam and I, will bring you um, a half-season review show sometime in the new year before it all kicks off again. Speaking of kicking off, hopefully Liam is in the Christmas spirit and won't be getting his stockings in a twist too much over refereeing controversies this week, or will he? I may be mentioning one or two, Alex, which I'm not very happy about. You mentioned the 14th of January as a date. I think we'll actually be back slightly before then, but as usual, La Liga haven't told us when that will be. So could you please, La Liga, get on with telling us when the next round of matches will be, match day 22. In the meantime, tell us about what happened in match day 20, please. Yeah, Friday night there was an authentic partidazo as Real Oviedo came from behind twice to beat LJ 3-2. Not to be upstaged on Saturday lunchtime, Racing Club de Santander went 3-0 up away at El Bense, only to concede three in the last quarter of an hour, and it ended 3-3. Then Espanyol made the shortish trip to Andorra and had the lead before letting it go in the final 10 minutes. Ramis's side continued to struggle to find consistency. Bolo's Burgos got one over the old boss, Julian Calero, now in charge of Cartagena. Those away day woes, a distant memory as Burgos won 3-0 in the Estadio Cartagena. Leganes were without their two top scorers, but went ahead in El Molinón. Sporting surged back in the second half, though, and got a Juan Otero equaliser from the penalty spot, and it ended 1-1. Lishi's Mirandes continued their good season with a 2-0 win over Albacete on Saturday night. And on Sunday, Medi Nafti picked up his first win as Alcacon coach, beating Abar, who are limping to the halfway point of the season. One win in the last seven league games for them. Uh, another important Limpa uh, is Levante. They played against 10 in the Ciutat de Valencia. Uh, stadium for over an hour after Kento was sent off for Wesker, but in the end they won 2-1. Jandro Castro made his debut in the Amorbieta dugout, more on him in a moment. His side missed an early penalty and then went ahead against Real Zaragoza before being pegged back and getting a helping hand from the referee as it ended 1-1. Uh, I've mentioned some limpers, but leaping into the new year are Racing Club de Ferrol, unbeaten at home and finishing their 2023 in Amalata with a 3-1 win over Garitano's Tenerife. Playing Monday evening after we record our Villarreal Bay, who host Real Valladolid, who can go level on points at the top with Leganes if they win tonight. We're going to start in the Basque Country on tonight's show where we talked last week about the departure of Mujica from Amor Vieta. What we didn't know at that time was who would replace him. They have announced, as I said in the results roundup, 
uh, Jandro Castro, who was in a job with Villarreal C, yes, not B, Villarreal C, um, prior to his appointment as Amor Vieta. Liam, what was your reaction on hearing this name? Well, it's a classic one of trying to give a job to somebody who's shown some promise within a, a large organisation, isn't it? Give them a, give them a crack at a, a job in a, in a pretty elevated role, isn't it? In terms of, you know, second second tier of Spanish football. Um, it's a similar situation to the one at Hidalgo for me, isn't it? In the sense that it's they've got around the rules by sort of loaning him to them, although it's not really a loan. I presume if he does well, he will be staying there. There will be a change in style of play, I think, won't there? I, th- I would imagine that BLAL... And even watching the game this weekend, there certainly seemed to be a slightly different approach from Handroff on the one used by Mohica. And did you did you see the game yesterday? Um, I didn't see the game yesterday, no. But um, I think this appointment is is one that it, it's been done. They've they've appointed somebody a who was within their sort of zone of who they could appoint. Obviously, with all respect to Amorbieta, they're not a huge club. They wouldn't be a huge draw for many coaches. Um, but coach is the important word. They have um, appointed a coach, not a manager. Of course, um, there is a difference between the two in that what they need is they need somebody who's going to get on the training ground and is going to improve how this team perform on a weekend. Now, that sounds a strange thing to say because all the Segunda managers should be doing that, but they might have someone that does it. But what I mean in that sense is... They're not going to go out and sign a million people in the transfer window. They've got an incredibly skinny squad, sometimes only naming sort of five or six players on the bench when there's a couple of out, a couple out injured. They don't have um, a B team to draw from. So uh, that's I, I see this Castro appointment as being one where they've got somebody in who can really improve the performance of the players um, in terms of hard work on, on the training ground rather than uh, the solution to their their survival being one um, that, that that comes from the transfer market. Yeah, and a decent start this weekend. I mean, they, they played pretty well, I thought, against Real Zaragoza. A couple of faces I haven't seen much of during Mujica's time who came on as subs and looked quite promising. So, yeah, early signs are good. They've got a massive game this week, though, haven't they? They entertain Alcorcon on, uh, I think it's Thursday night, and that really is a, a must win for both teams, isn't it? Yes, it's a huge game, that one. Um, You know, is it too early to say a relegation six-pointer? I don't think in this case it is. We're halfway through the season now and there's there's two teams who I think, come what may, probably will both be in the relegation spots. The the, the bottom four sides getting slightly cut off or the bottom five sides starting to, to look like they're getting slightly cut off from the rest um, even at this early stage of the season. But uh, yeah, that, that match is definitely hugely important. What about his debut then? It was against your boys, Real Zaragoza. Uh, what did you make of Amor Bieto? And what did you make of the game more importantly? I, I believe this is one of the refereeing decisions that you might want to uh, to mention in this one. Yeah, it was an interesting one, wasn't it? In that they got a penalty early on and Amor Bieto's stupid piece of goalkeeping from Reboya desperately need... Um, uh, Christian Alvarez back Zaragoza is a big part of their success and uh, Raboya silly mistake but uh, kind of indicative of what's going on at Moribieta at the moment Jaregui looked incredibly nervous when he was going to take the penalty Julie dragged it wide uh, and Zaragoza got a penalty to, to equalise later in that half mm-hmm. as well which I thought was 
a little bit dubious, not a massive amount of contact, silly contact from Seabill, but, you know, not really. You know, Mourinho made the most of it. And then the biggest controversy for me in this game was uh, a shot from Tony, Mo- Tony Moyer going in the bottom corner. And Moyer, but Bieta defended, rocks it on the line. Now, yeah, OK, so he doesn't outstretch his arm to, to, to block it, but it hits his arm. It's going in the corner. It's it's a red card. And it's and I'm afraid it's... Uh, it's a penalty, or I don't know if that's double jeopardy. I'm not even sure anymore. But we talk every week, don't we, about if the ball hits the arm in the box, it's going to be given as a penalty. And on this occasion, it should have been given. So a massive let-off there for Amadi Bieta. But overall, I thought they played pretty well. Uh, and, um, you know, you could see some some signs of improvement there already in even the first game. We'll see if he can keep that going there. Yeah, we don't want to get hung up too much on refereeing and VAR, especially as we're probably going to come back to it later on in the show as well. But um, yeah, suffice to say, I don't think you will see a clearer case of a, a handball, a penalty. And yes, it is a red card. It's not double jeopardy that because uh, there's no clear attempt to play the ball. It's only when there's a, a tackle when a player is through on goal and there's no attempt to play the ball. Handball on the line would still be a red card as as well, as I understand it. Um, we've just talked about one new coach in Segunda. Another new coach to the dugout, relatively new coach, is Mehdi Nafti. He took over at Alcocon in the last sort of week or two. And they got their first win under him this weekend, beating Abar. That's a pretty impressive result, Liam, for Alcocon and a, a very important result in the context of their survival. I mean, Abar must dread going to Alcocon, mustn't they? We all remember that uh, a couple of years ago when they were going there, just needing a point, if I remember rightly, to uh, to, to go up, wasn't it? And they got beat Alcocon, who were already down at that stage. I think what's really interesting is when when Nafti was appointed, we were, we were saying that one of the key things he needed to do was make them more difficult to beat, make them tight defensively. In the three games he's been in charge, they've conceded one goal, and that was down to a pretty awful error, wasn't it? The ball knocked out by the keeper to I think it was Ateki who got dispossessed and Ajao scored for Tenerife. So immediately you see that impact of, of Nafti. And we know that Abar are in a bad place at the moment, but I think uh, Chiki scored in the first 10 minutes of this game for Alcocon, uh, and, and they held on for the 1-0. So, yeah, really encouraging signs. Uh, for um, fans of Alcocon. And, and this is where coaches are in their corner, and this sort of links back to what I was saying about Jandro uh, Castro, or that probably should be Jandro Castro, shouldn't it? Um, Amor Vieta. Uh, coaches really are in their corner. And maybe Nafti took over the day before they had a Copa del Rey game. That was midweek. They then had to travel. Uh, I think they went away to Tenerife, didn't they? So he would have had no, not a lot of time really on the on the training ground. I know it was a Monday night game, but they they had to travel um, out there. So wouldn't have had a lot of time on the training ground. He had an almost a full week this week. Of course, as I said, they played Monday. Um, and one of the things that he said in his in his pre-game press conference is he was talking about the fact that he had had time to really work tactically with the team this week in training, both as a team on the training ground and individually, individually with players in individual meetings. Um, and, and, and that's sort of what I'm talking about with Handro Castro and with, with Medi Nafti. There's not a lot of money at either of those clubs. And what both clubs will be seeking is a manager who can really improve the ability and the performance of the players individually, technically and as a unit uh, and I think Medi Nafti is, is a really, really good pickup um, for Alcocon. We spoke before about how he's a coach who will get them defending them well. And lo and behold, um, they only conceded one in Tenerife. They drew 0-0 in the Copa del Rey and they won this one 1-0 with a clean sheet. 
And it's especially important, of course, of course, to focus on that defensive side of things because actually at the moment they're missing Sosa and also uh, Adai, aren't they? Who are two of their main attacking threats. They don't score many goals, Alcorcon, and their two best attacking players are on the sidelines at the moment. So, you know, really impressive performance there to get that 1-0 win, even if Eibar aren't, aren't in a great place at the moment. And uh, yeah, on to the massive game in the in the Pais Basco on Thursday night. Yeah, we, we you know we talk about clean sheets being so important because in Segunda, sometimes historically it has been a low-scoring league and if you can keep a clean sheet, then you're getting good value for your goals and it doesn't matter quite so much in this league sometimes if you, uh, if you don't have a good goal scorer, if you can defend well uh, because there's not so many goals knocking around. But I say that, Liam, and the next two games that we're going to talk about are absolutely packed with goals. Let's start with the Friday night party, Datho, that kicked off the match day. 3-2 to Real Oviedo. Um, Elche were ahead twice in the game, Oviedo coming back and in the end uh, winning it. Yeah, what a game. What a game. I mean, we haven't always been treated to that sort of game on a Friday night, haven't we? I think Friday night is one of the slots that is seen as one of the sort of fairly prime TV slots and they tend to try and put a good game in it, don't they? Um, but this was absolutely incredible from both sides. I mean, just watching Carrion's uh, Oviedo, it's just like night and day in terms of Ferreira's Oviedo, isn't it? I mean, one thing that stuck with me in this was Breton. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's advisable. Breton is bombing on, you know, in the left wing role in about the 92nd minute with Oviedo winning 3-2. But they just are a joy to watch, aren't they, under Carrion? And, and let's not forget that Elche also played really well in this game and will feel somewhat unfortunate to walk away with with nothing from it. Yeah, I mean, let's just a word for Elche before I sort of... Um sort of compliment Oviedo on, on, on what they're achieving. You know, I think the performance from LJ was fantastic. And I think that they will contribute to this, uh, to this promotion, um, to this promotion race. They will be in it. They will be involved and, and, and uh, right until the death, you know, really good performance from them, especially Rodrigo Mendoza. There's a name for you. Young boy playing central midfield, his first start for LJ. Um, and he and he turns up in in the Tartiere and uh, yeah, just a, a very very good player. I mean, as well as we've just said with Alcocon, I mean for me, Elche's biggest problem is they've got no real attacking threat, haven't they? From the from the number nine, if you want to call it that, you know, Mura doesn't really score. You know, we've we've seen Sergio Leon sort of disappear, and that's why it's so impressive. The the, the strength of their team is is the midfield and. Uh, and, and they, they play some lovely football through the midfield and it's the midfield that's entrusted with getting the goals, isn't it, really, at the moment? Um, so, and yet, still, as you say, I think, although they lost um, to Cartagena last weekend, they're on a decent place They're in a decent place at the moment, aren't they? And I agree with you. I think they certainly will be pushing in and around the top six, you know, for the rest of the season. Yeah, certainly. I mean, just on Oviedo, I feel under Luis Carrion, they just have this confidence in attack. They play with such fluidity. And I never sort of had any doubt that they were going to get back into the game at any time. They were losing twice, but I thought, well, they're going to at least draw this game. And for them to to, to win it was probably deserved and, and certainly not a surprise. So, you know, really, really positive um, things happening at Oviedo. And since Carry On arrived uh, in terms of the form table, they are right up there. Uh, we had another goal-packed game on uh, on Saturday, the very next game after that 3-2 we'd seen in Oviedo on Friday night. And Racing Santander, sometimes accused by um, 
by some foolish uh, know nothing of being a little bit travel sick. They they went three 0 up away from home. Fifteen minutes to go, and they drew three three. Liam, could you quite believe it? I could uh, really. There were two aspects that made this possible when you think about it with hindsight. And I think some of those defences is not good. Uh, I think most people would say that of the back four, you'd probably only keep Mantilla, the right back. I think the rest of the defence is pretty poor. Uh, so they're not the kind of side that can't possibly give away a three-goal lead. They have been poor defensively for much of the season. It's undone a lot of the good work that they've, they've, they've shown us going forward. And also because Aldense, again, full credit to them. We're going to talk about another side, aren't we, later on, I think Club de Ferrol. You know, incredible never-say-die approach. They just seem to play without fear. You know, they haven't got the biggest squad. I know they've got some decent money behind them in terms of their sponsor. But, you know, they're not a team full of stars, you know, and yet... They just play with this joie de vivre, don't they, at LDNC? And so, yeah, they've got Sobed on at front now. He's only got six goals, but if you put that across the whole season, if you get 12 to 15 goals for them in a side that's just come out from Primera Federación, that's a tremendous return. And the second goal he scored here, Alex, if you've seen it, is an absolute cracker. So, you know, really encouraging. We love to see small teams come up and, and hold their own. And LDNC, I don't want to put the curse on them, but, you know, this is the kind of result that we, you know, we, we, we weren't expecting probably from them at the start of the season. And they've shown once again that they are very very resilient in these situations and talking of uh, a, a massive contribution uh, an even bigger contribution from their coach in, in, in the wider sense of essentially saving somebody's life which is an amazing story isn't it yeah there was as we seem to see um more and more frequently sadly nowadays there was a fan in the stands who collapsed and the game had to be stopped and el dense uh, coach fernando estevez uh, went running across to help and, and, and I believe up into the stand as well. Um, he is an emergency doctor, Estevez, and um, during the COVID-19 pandemic, he worked uh, in that prof- profession and, and put his rubber gloves on and, uh, uh, and kind of went and helped out with the uh, during the pandemic. And uh, yeah, just fantastic from him to, in the middle of a, a game, obviously they stopped the game, but just... In, in that important moment to get across there. And obviously the most important thing in that moment was uh, making sure that the person who had um, who had collapsed was okay. Uh, I, I believe it was um, some form of um, heat stroke or, or um, a faint that was linked to that rather than a, a heart issue. But uh, yeah, just great for him, from him to go across and do that. I just wanted to mention, by the way, about Racing, the, the, the fact that they gave away a three goal lead in that final 15 minutes. And, I just feel with Jose Alberto Lopez that they have this crazy chaos. Um, and I mean that in a very positive way. You know, um, in attack, they're just a joy to watch and they press and they they bomb forward and they, 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 they sort of at times leave themselves a little bit open. Lots of individual errors in, in the back four as well. I think they could improve in that respect. But I, I think if he was to change the style, you would lose something from that team. You know, there was... You could use the same set of players and set them up in a different way, um, maybe at 3-0 up and, you know, uh, put put more men behind the ball and play in a low block and, you know, all that sort of thing. But it, it's they would lose the essence of who they are and what they are. And, you know, perhaps they've lost two points this weekend against El Dense. But if they play in that way across the season, I think they probably will gain more points than they will lose in this way, if that makes sense. Um, so, you know, Keep going, Jose Alberto Lopez. Keep going. Keep that same positive attitude and that forward-thinking football. Um, 
that's you know that, that's what we want to see in Segunda. Very much so, and, and talking of sides that play very much on the front foot and positively, especially on their own ground, a fantastic achievement, Rathen Club de Ferrol, to get to a whole year uh, without losing at home. I know they got very close to it a few weeks ago against Cartagena at injury time equaliser, I think, but, you know, they are a joy to watch as well in a similar way that Eldencia are and Rathen are. We've got some wonderful teams in this division this season, haven't we? Some teams who really do go for it. You mentioned earlier on about, you know, quite often this is quite a low-scoring league, but I don't think, I haven't looked at the stats, but I don't think that would be reflected in the stats this season so tremendous stuff from them uh you know pegged back by angel they were still leading but they then went on and scored again um you know and, and ultimately great to watch really 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 encouraging a breath of fresh air for us in this division yeah totally and i i do think the geography of where they are um helps them with that home form i do think they, they i think they get about seven thousand fans in that ground which is a, a pretty decent turnout for for segunda to, to to be fair to them um, difficult for the away teams to travel to. There's lots of reasons as to why they've got such a uh, such good home form, but I think the most important reason why they've got such good home form is because they're well coached, they've got good players, and they're a good side. And 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 that 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 is uh, that's the bottom line really. And they play they play with real you know joy as I say. There's not a lot of histrionics. There's not a lot of time wasting. They just seem to get on with it. You don't get all that kind of rolling around on the floor. And as you said many times before, Alex, they've got some lovely players. Losada, uh, Carlos Vicente, hopefully will stay, but looks like he's not going to. And uh, Pernell was back this weekend. What a player he is. I mean, it's just a joy to watch them. So no disrespect to saying any fair. I must admit, I was rooting for. And I think Club de Ferro in this game, and they and they came through again, and they're a point off the automatic promotion place, which is quite remarkable at this stage of the season. Yeah. One less savoury uh, incident this weekend, though, which we'll mention very briefly. The sending off at uh, El Alcoraf, I'd usually be quite happy. No, it wasn't El Alcoraf, was it? It was a Ciutat de Valencia. <laughs> but I usually am happy with Wesker players to be sent off, but this was a shocker. Yes, Kento. Kento was sent off for being tackled. Is that is that an unfair assessment of what happened, Liam? Pretty much so. I mean, he's been sent off because it hurt Bailly. I'm not uh, putting any uh, blame on Bailly. He collapsed on the floor, clutching his knee, and that appeared to be, you know, a red card. And uh, and then they went to VAR, and I was thinking, VAR, I'm just going to say, have a look at this again. And then they upheld the decision. I, I, I could not believe it. Uh, we love the commentators, and we're very fortunate in the fact that we speak Spanish. We can listen to the Spanish commentators, and they absolutely hit the nail on the head. You know, the guy who's made decisions has never played football. If he really thinks that's a, a red card, it's just quite extraordinary. Uh, you know, it, it's not good. It doesn't do our our, our league any any favours. But you know, these things keep happening, and unfortunately, somebody needs to do something about it. And and down the bottom as well, you have to say, you know, obviously Wesker Wesker are, are right in that battle. They're in the relegation zone. That's a real disadvantage to them. They've, they've improved significantly under Hidalgo. And, and um, those of you who are not fans of B teams, and Laura, um, um, Liam is, is smiling and nodding his head, I think he might be uh, be, be one of those. Uh, we'll be hoping that, that Wesker or one of those other sides down in the bottom can, can overtake VRL Bay. But, you know, if they get a decision like this after sort of 20 minutes in the game and go down to 10, then it, it makes it very, very hard for them to get anything from the Ciutat de Valencia. Uh, against a, a decent but struggling a little bit Levante side, um, but they did nearly get something. Um, they, 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 they got a goal back. Uh, in fact, whilst there was 10 versus 11, the, the score during that period of time, which was an hour, by the way, they played an hour with 10 men. The score during that time was 1-1. So, um, Liam, talk us through the league table. Of course, this isn't the league table that will take us into the new year because there's this midweek round, but uh, give us this league table, which will be valid for about 24 hours. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it is. We'll stay top of the pile for at least another 24 hours, regardless of tonight's result in La Ceramica, because although they've now not won for five games, they've got a better goal difference than Real by the lead. So even if they win tonight in uh, in Villarreal Bay, um, they will still stay top in Leganes because at this stage, goal difference is more important because the head-to-head doesn't apply because nobody's played each other twice yet. Um, but Portela have got a lot of um, incentive to win this game because it would open up a four-point gap between them in second and Sporting and, and Racing Club de Ferrol in third and fourth, respectively. And then we have Espanyol just behind those two on 33, and then Eibar and Levante locked together just inside and outside the playoffs on 31 points in sixth and seventh. That win for Alcocon at the weekend, the point for Amore Bieta, means that Paul Carter Hena are back at the bottom, they're now level on points with Amore Bieta, uh, and Alcocon are two ahead of them in, in 20th place. Wesker in that final relegation spot. They are the closest, of course, therefore, to survival. But there could be a gap opening up tonight if Villarreal Bay do beat Real Madrid at home. Super Cinco is a double month, of course. So uh, your picks throughout December carry over into uh, into January. Not the highest scoring uh, round for um, for for any of the Super Cinco uh, players involved, despite us cherry picking the very best players in in Segunda for these uh, for this double month. Half of them are injured, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, well, so, uh, a few of them are injured, unfortunately. <laughs> so hopefully that winter break will um, will see them well and they'll be back strong uh, in sort of mid-January when uh, when Segunda returns. We, as I said, will return in the new year. We're going to have a couple of weeks off, but we will put out a mid-season review um, at the beginning of January. We, we hope that everybody has a fantastic festive period, whether you celebrate it or you don't celebrate it. Um, you know, I will be raising a glass or two, as I'm, I'm, I'm sure Liam will be as well uh, that's what we've got time for on this show don't forget come and join us on the discord for some segunda chat it's free the, jo- the join code is in the show notes it's goodbye and merry christmas from me Sí, a feliz navidad feliz cumpleaños a ti también uh, alex y hasta 2024 thank you very much liam thanks for listening everyone and remember segunda doesn't mean second best no me digas que me Todo es mentira, cuando se te vi con otra.